We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You guys know where to follow me, at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Also, shout out to our subscribers on YouTube. Seahawks Man-to-Man is the number two man on YouTube. We appreciate you guys. We'll keep bringing you the content each week with special guests. Uh, Chris, talk to them. What is good, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and at CKID206. All right, we're coming to you post-game after the Seahawks lost to the New Orleans Saints 39-32. to Seahawks fall to 2-3. and three. For the, for the uh, third straight game, the, the Seahawks defense has someone go bonkers um, against them, and it's becoming a big, big, big issue. So, naturally, we're going to spend a lot of time on the defense with some love. Um, to Geno Smith as well. I want to do this real quick, Chris, first. It just popped in my head. Before we get to the defense, I want to just give a shout-out to Rashad Penny. Um, mm. I saw Rashad. I tweeted this, too. He was on crutches in a boot after the game, and he was pretty broken up. It looked like he had just got done doing some crying. Um, and all, a bunch of the teammates, players, or teammates, coaches, staffers were coming up to him as he waited for the cart to take him to the bus. They're, you know, dapping him up, giving him hugs, like, I don't know if his season's over. By the time this comes out, we'll probably know that for sure. But just that, I just feel bad for him. How, no matter how long he's out, that's that that's that's unfortunate. Not just because he's playing well, but man, he's been trying, man, and it's 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 tough. It's tough to see that. You don't want to see nobody just down in the dumps like that. I felt I felt that bad when I saw Jamal get carded week one. I saw the video, and he's looked like he might start crying too. That sucks, man. So hopefully Rashad get get better. Uh, if the season's over, hopefully we come back stronger twenty twenty three. If the season's not over come back strong towards the, the end of this season. But yeah, that, that, that was unfortunate to see uh, just because how emotional he was that that stinks. Yeah. Um, well said, not much you can say there. It's, it's tough, especially because we know we've seen, he's been struggling with the injury bug for years. That's what's kind of kept him being the secondary running back behind Chris Carson. They just, he wasn't consistent enough with staying healthy and for that injury bug to creep up on him again, it's just unfortunate, and it's not as if maybe it was a groin or a hamstring. It's just some big dude just landed on his ankle. He got rolled up on going to the sideline. That's That sucks, man. 
Yeah, it does, man. That's our speedy recovery wished from the Seahawks Man to Man podcast to Rashad Penny. Um, let's let's jump into the to the defense. Um, you go first, Chris. I don't even know where to. St- the problem is I don't know where to start. That's that's that is the not for that is the problem. Um, there are so many problems. I don't know which one to even dive dive into first. So I'll, what what do you have? Um, watching it what from do the I have because when I'm there live, I don't see. A lot of the same stuff. I don't get a lot of replays that you get. I don't get the commentary yeah. that you guys get. I don't get the stats that they throw up on the screen. Although I did catch them call it the Legion of Gloom uh, earlier in the game. That was wild. Uh, that's 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 tough. Uh, so what what are you seeing? For starters, I thought the first couple possessions, I liked what they were doing defensively. They came out and blitzed. Jordan Brooks got pressure on him. Got a hit. I'm thinking this might be a long day for Andy Dalton. And you know what the Saints did? They do what a lot of teams would do. They adjust. They make changes. They maybe leave somebody there to help protect. They have tight ends chip. They figured out we're not going to let them just blitz us the entire game. And unfortunately, the Seahawks didn't have a counter for it. You saw a couple of times later in the game, Kobe Bryant getting pressure, but Andy Dalton became a wizard and appeared in different spots and was able to make plays. Answers for you, I it's very... I. I thought I gave a pretty good indication of what the Seahawks could do, and they took both of our advice, put the best players on the field. That's what you said. We both agreed that they should try to disguise more blitzes. They sent Jordan a couple of times on Sunday, which it worked early, but then after that, it didn't, and the Saints became the Taysom Hills, and they did whatever they wanted. It was third and short. They go four tight ends, one running back, and you know what they're going to do. I think out of the five times they ran it, or the six times they ran with, they had the opportunity to give Taysom Hill the ball, he threw it just once. Out of those other five, the Seahawks have to know that it's going to be a run. They did get caught off guard, but there just wasn't a lot of understanding of what the magnitude of these plays and how to stop Taysom Hill. There was the big one where Quandre Dick just didn't make the tackle. He, he just slipped right out of his hands. And I get Taysom Hill. He's not a little dude. He's he's definitely one of those guys that's tall, strong, can run, physical. He's a damn near fullback, and he has a little speed on him. And I get it. It's not going to be easy, but those are the plays that you have to make. I also thought Alvin Kamara got a little loose at certain points. I did shout out to Al Woods. He definitely, if he wasn't plugging the hole as much as he did on Sunday against the Saints, Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill would have had career days. That's how bad it has gotten. And then also, another little plug, shout out to Tariq. He makes a great play, intercepts the pass. He even had a – even you. we talked about an off-wax. He was chasing Taysom Hill on that big run. If he would have dove, he probably would have stopped him short of the goal of the, of the end zone, obviously. But he tried to get a turnover because at this point, the Seahawks can't stop the bleeding. They haven't right. figured out how to just consistently stop a team. Again, they did it. For a few possessions, I'm thinking, okay, maybe this is they the tight this the Titans. The Saints might score a few times, but it won't be a blitzkrieg and they won't run it up. Boy, was I wrong. They they ran it up, and there's problems everywhere. It's not oh, one dude is the weak link. There's a lot of weak links out there that teams are seeing and attacking it, and they're running the same thing. As I mentioned with Taysom Hill, they were able to run power right, left, over and over again, and then they say, you know what? We're going to actually throw it this time. (laughs) 
and it caught the Seahawks off guard, and it was a touchdown. Four verts, tight ends, running, touchdown. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens through this week. If there's going to be free agent signing, someone's going to get traded. There's, I don't think there's the answers in that locker room. And if it is, you, I don't know how much longer we can say they have time. They don't have time. It'll be week six next week. You're a quarter way through the season. Time is up. The defense has to make some adjustments, and they have to do it fast, or you're going to continue to see tough losses as they did against the Saints Sunday where they just didn't have enough. Geno couldn't muster up one more drive to march down the field and score, and we'll get to Geno later, but he balled out. There's not much he did wrong on Sunday against the Saints. The fact that the defense is allowing teams to do whatever – the fact that the defense is allowing offenses to do whatever they want is clearly an issue that – if they don't get it solved, it's just going to be the same story over and over again. Yeah, on the um, so there's a few things. I think that in the past couple of years they've started off poorly and they've turned it around. And I think I talked about last week how I didn't really foresee that for for a few reasons. And I do want to I want to talk about that again, but I, I want to revi- let's revisit why things turned around in a couple of those seasons. So in 2019, they also weren't very good on defense for quite some time, um, and they made a significant personnel change. They traded for Quandre Diggs because um, the Tedrick Thompson thing was not working out. Remember that 2019 defense was not not killing it. Um, did I think they traded for Quandre after the Bucks game, maybe where it went into overtime and Jameis was light, lighting them up and Russ threw a touchdown to Jacob Hollister in overtime to win it. Uh, and then in 2020, they start off poorly, and it it's a little fluky as you can tell. They were they were playing an injured Quentin Dunbar and they lost Jamal. And then they got Jamal back. And the Patriots game was kind of an outlier because Quandre got kicked out nine plays in. So it really didn't, you know, like it didn't factor in. Uh, it was it was, it was was a wonky start in that regard. But even then, they get Jamal back, huge personnel change. And then they get Carlos Dunlap, big personnel change. Um, and then uh, the last year, they turn, they turn things around with another significant personnel move. They get rid of Trey Flowers. And then they... Um, dang, what else they do? Oh, and then they insert Trey Brown. Those weren't like direct swaps, but they the bottom line is I'm saying the guy, they needed to get someone other than the 11, 12, 13 dudes that they're using. They needed to get someone else in there and not just situationally for them. Like they needed a new starter and pretty much all of those situations in 2019, there were some other things in there. You guys understand, but for the most part, you're getting Quandre in there. You get Carlos Dunlap a starter in there. You get Trey Brown in there. Um, and then it gets wonky towards the end of 2021 because you eventually lose Trey Brown, then you lose Jamal, and things just go out of whack. Um, but generally speaking, there were my, my point is there were significant personnel issues each time. And that's or significant personnel changes each time. And like you said, Chris, they don't have the answer in the locker room. And if, if anyone's hoping for another turnaround like the last few years, you have to acknowledge, and not just you, the, the fan or whoever, the front office has to as well. The answer's probably not in there, and that's and that's okay. It's, it's, I guess that's you got to acknowledge it and move on. But I think that's that's where just oh it'll turn around because it is in the past. Well, let's look at what turned it around in the past as well. They also played some pretty bad offenses in some of those stretches. But yeah, I think that's that's the first thing when I think about personnel changes because it's really hard to just ax ax guy everyone just start playing better um right now do it come on 
That's just not how that's not how anything works. And they know that too. You can't just say play better. You know, it's not like that scene in uh the, the Disney movie Brink, um, where the dude asks for some advice from his mom and his mom's like, skate better. And he he treats it like this revolutionary advice. He's like, Yeah, skate, skate better. better. Nope, that's not how that's not how the real world works. That's a Disney movie. Um, so there's a reason why that's a, a fantasy. The other thing is the reason I'm also concerned, that's one reason for concern, um, is that the answer is clearly not in the building. And that's that's very troubling because they made a lot of personnel changes on defense and changed the scheme and the coaches. The other thing is that every it's something different, like eat on a per drive basis or a per play basis or a per game basis. Something else kills them, whether it's one it's and it's tackling one time or then it's execution one time. Or it's a guy just getting beat one time, or it's a blown coverage, or a blown run fit, or or a penalty on a crucial situation. It's something new. Like if it was just one thing, like man, the pass rush is bad. Like in 2020, the pass rush was really bad, and they kept blowing coverages. Well, they made some tweaks to the lineup. Um, I think we're getting Jamal back helped in that regard. Um, I think Shaquille Griffin was out for a little bit too um, during that stretch in 2020. They made some. They tweaked the secondary a little bit. Uh, and fix the pass rush. Things start to change. Like they, they had other issues, but that was a really clearly isolated one. And even last year, um, third downs were a big problem for them. Uh, pass rush as well. Well, you ch- ch- change that up. The Ryan Neal defense package changes your whole third down defense. They're a stretch there. They're the best third down team. Every play, snap, drive, game, whatever, it's something new. That is very concerning, and that's not totally – that's not a, just a personnel thing. That's not just a scheme thing. That's just not just a coach thing. That's not just a player thing. It's like uh, Quandre Diggs after the game got asked, hey, are some, are what, is what's going on part of, like, guys adjusting to the scheme, getting the kinks out, blah, blah, blah. He was like, it's a little bit of everything, new players, new scheme, you know, but he, he cautioned against panic. He was like, well, you know, we got 12 games left or whatever he said, something to that effect. But the initial answer, it's a little bit of everything. That stuck with me when he said it, and he's not wrong. And not to say any of those guys in there are panicking, but you can see the frustration a little bit. You can see it. Like, Chris, I was talking to Quentin Jefferson in the locker room, and most of the D-line guys' lockers are next to each other. So Shelby hears me talking to Quentin, and he's just, he hears me ask Quentin what has to change or why do you think it'll turn around or something, just some softball question. I asked. And he's just kind of like in the background like, man, look, either we're going to start making plays or they're going to find guys who are going to make plays. That's it. Either going. That's what this league is. Either you make to make your plays, or they will bring somebody in who's going to make the plays. And I believe Ryan Neal said something very similar on the podium. He was like, "Either either you either do your job, or they bring somebody in to do your job." You know. So, like, you can you can smell the frustration a little bit. It's not panic, but it's definitely frustration um, for sure. And Chris, the other thing, like that that part. So that's that's the one part is personnel change clearly needs to be made. Part two is that clearly there's something wrong everywhere. There's not really one thing that the Seahawks defense does particularly well, um, and that's that's an issue. The other thing is none of this stuff is surprising. Like, obviously, some of the people going off, you don't expect them to go off in that regard. This is the third week in a row. Someone's had a career day in some regard. Cordell Patterson had never run for a buck 40 or whatever it was that he ran for in week three. Uh, TJ Hawkinson had never even come close to 179 or whatever he had in week two or week, excuse me, week four. And then Taysom Hill today had 
buck 12. He had only crossed the 100 yard mark one. He had never had three touchdowns on the ground in the game before. He had four total. Like it's some it's it's something different in that regard too, but it's nothing surprising. I asked Pete Carroll on Friday. I was like, "Hey, how'd you guys prepare for Taysom Hill? Like who do you have be the scout team dude that's like, "Hey, you're number 7 for the other team." How you, he was like, "We use JJ Arcega Whiteside or Arcega Whiteside and we use Cade Johnson, two receivers. Um on the, they're on the scout team." So clearly they they were so focused on Taysom in the in the preparation. They used two guys, two guys to practice for him and got beat. And even Ryan Neal talked about it after the game. He said, with no Michael Thomas and no Jarvis Landry, their game plan ain't complicated. They give it to 83, 7, and 41. I don't know who 83 is. I don't have a roster in front of me. But uh, that's Taysom, Kamara, and another cat. And then same thing with the Lions. Lions didn't have 14, which is St. Brown, I believe. They didn't have Chark, who's number four, I think, for them, and 32, which is Swift. You don't have those three. You're only going to get a ball to so many cats. Jamal Williams, Josh Reynolds, and TJ Hawkinson. All them dudes went off. Like that um, same thing with the Falcons at that at that point, they only get a ball to three dudes. Kyle Pitts, Cordell Patterson, and Drake London. And they barely give it to Pitts. Right? Like nothing is catching. It's not, it's not. They're not getting out, out uh, outsmarted in that regard. No one's doing some magical new shit with some new fancy plays they haven't seen. Some of the teams are running good plays, some good beaters for the coverages that they're running. But it ain't nothing they hadn't seen before. I even talked to Cody Barton about that after the game. He said, I was like, did, did they run some different tasting plays or something like that stuff you guys hadn't accounted for? He was like, yeah, they ran some different plays, but at the end of the day, he's either going to run left or he's going to run right. <laughs> and, we know, and we know he's going to run. Yes, yeah, it's like you said, Chris. It's funny when I was almost laughing when you said that earlier in the show. He was like, "Hey, he's either going to run left or he's going to run." That's exactly what Cody said verbatim. He said, "Either strong he said, right or hey. strong left." Yeah, he was like, "When they put when they put seven in a QB Wildcat, he's either going to run left or he's going to run right." We got to tackle him. There's only but so many ways you're going to draw that shit up. You know, they're not running a bunch of different motions and all these things, different personnel groupings. They ran it down their throats out of that Wildcat, and then one player decided to go four verts. And, and, and it worked to perfection, and that was the touchdown to Troutman, or however you say that dude's name, the tight end. Um, is he number 83? Who is 83? He might be, but I think the biggest thing is Chris Olave. He was that he was definitely one of the playmakers. It was Olave, Kamara, and Taysom. Yeah, and Those see, Ryan, the- didn't even, Ryan didn't even mention – yeah, you're right. But Ryan didn't even mention Olave. I forgot all about, about him. Ryan Olave – or Chris Olave, by the way, who might be the only guy to catch a touchdown while getting concussed uh, – yeah, that was a. I don't know about that that call. There was some, there were some questionable ones in there, but I think even if you could be mad at the referees, um, and I'm sure Seahawks fans are, and I'm sure Saints fans are too. That was not Boye jumped off sides on fourth down. That was not a false start on a, on 83 or whoever. Like it goes both ways, guys. Like we just gotta accept that at the end of the day. Um, even if you want to be mad at the officials, though, the officials didn't let they didn't i'm not one play where the officials task was stopping Taysom hill right that's 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 the issue uh well that's one of the many issues and then yet the other part i have a, this is long-winded but i have a lot of things that I, that that are wrong is that there are moments you can see where the scheme is they are getting these coaches are dialing up some good shit that they don't have answers for um detroit ran some good stuff um, there was some there was some Falcons plays that the Falcons didn't just execute. I think like the first play of the game uh, against the Falcons, yeah, for example, that's yeah. a touchdown I think to Pitts. 
Yes, um, that was yeah, that was yeah, that was six. Yeah, he he got by I think Michael Jackson or something like that. So the other the other teams have made some adjustments to some stuff and and started to, and there are some key players where you're like, oh, that's an adjustment to what the Seahawks are doing today. For example, like you mentioned, they are they were blitzing a lot. I think they blitzed fifty two percent of the time today. I think they were around like, and we talked about it on Wednesday. What were they like around like? They were you maybe around 20, like 19%. Yeah, I think it was 19%. To, uh, I wanted them to get to about 25% for the year. They blitz like 50% today, which probably gets them gets them pretty high. I probably can go, I can go look that up, whatever that is. But they caught on to that and it worked a few times. Like they were they were rocking Andy Dalton on some on some of those uh plays for sure. And he was throwing incomplete, like it was working. They had they clearly had a plan. Let's deviate from our tendencies, let's let's just throw some heat on the on the quarterback. They did. Saints were like, huh, okay, okay, let's feel it out. Let's feel it out. Boom. Well-timed screen, and there was nobody near Kamara. They blitzed Jordan. They blitzed Cody. They sent receivers flying upfield. That boom. Uh, so let's see. The Seahawks now are at 24%. So they listened. They got the 24 for the season, 24% blitz rate. That's, 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 that's up there. That's a big percentage jump. And it didn't work. The, the other team had answers. It reminds me of uh, – Chris, you remember it was two years ago, I think, um, against Buffalo. And it was like third in a million. And the Seahawks were getting pressure. They were getting a lot of pressure blitzing that game. I think they had like six sacks. And they sent another pressure. And then these guys ran like a screen behind it. And then they ended up picking like 30 yards up down to the one or something. You remember that against Buffalo? It was the digs, right? Yeah, I think it. I think it was to dig. Maybe McKenzie, either Diggs or McKenzie or something like that. And it was just a clear example of like, yeah, see, the other team is a step ahead in some some cases, and that's what we're seeing. One or two examples of that every week. And it, of course, the offensive coaches get paid in this league too. That's not like the end of the world in a vacuum. But when you combine that, because that's the fourth thing uh, <laughs> on the list of issues. If that was just the only thing, like, hey, the offense makes plays too. I ain't tripping off that. It's an offensive league, and they got well-paid coaches on, on the other side of the ball, of course. But that's that's just on top of a cacophony of errors and issues elsewhere, and I don't really know what to do about that. There is no obvious answer. I'll, I'm This week I'm going to spend some time scanning the rest of the league and see where there's free agents or trade partners or whatever. I'll get to that later in the week when I have more time and an actual list of players and names and teams. But the fact that I'm already will, ready to do that and by week five, and I, that they have all these other issues there, it, it, that's man, that's that's really bad, man. Like the guys in the locker room, people, I know people are curious. There's no panic in there, but the word I want to use is frustration, disappointment. You know, because it's like I said, it's something new each time, whether it's getting out schemed or a penalty or whatever. It's something different. That's keeping them on the field. That's why Quentin Jefferson told me after the game, he said, we just got to get the fuck off the field. They do. And they are probably one of the worst teams in the league right now getting getting off the field. And, yeah, that that's rough, man. They, they, they're they asking Geno to score a 30 ball every week, shoot 35, because 30, 30 wouldn't have gotten it done the last two weeks. That's that's rough, man. You can't. Yeah. It's, you can't you can't act the offense to do that. Like boy, my face told me after the game. He said we got to hold up our end of the deal, and they do. They do. It, they got. They can't let. They can't ask for a shootout every week. This ain't the Big Twelve. Like eventually, you got to get stops. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it's definitely time to hit the panic button, at least for fans and writers and things of that nature. As you said, you're about to look to see if the Seahawks can bring someone in. Hell, Marquise Blair, are you still out there? Shoot, could you play any better at this point? They, they got to figure out something because, as I alluded to and you touched on, it's not working with the guys in the room. They got to they gotta mix things up. I think having Carlos Dunlap would probably be huge right now, <laughs> a guy that can rush the passer, someone that's going to create some pressure. The edge yeah. rushers, man, they're, it is quiet. Shout out to Al Woods. That was yeah. it. <laughs> Al, Al, I was, Al was wrecking the game today before he before he got hurt like they, there was some drives today where it was like oh the saints are punting in part because al did some shit on first or second down that just made life hard for them and then put them in a bad spot and they were able to send the, the plan was working um for for a little bit there and then it just that's the thing the plan works for these guys and then something goes wrong and it's not yeah. even the same something like all right we got him in third and five which jumps off sides like yeah. all right cool if that would just that's it that's it's a, that's in a vacuum that's not that big of a deal penalties happen it's delete but then it's like if you if you're extending one or two drives every game like, like they, they scored on that drive where china jumped on sides like oh okay uh we got schemed up on a play you know the screen pass all right well in a vacuum that's not that bad but then when that's happening multiple times in a week or in a game or you know over the course of a season that's that's an issue or all right, we, we, we fit up the run really good, and then we miss a tackle. Now it's a big yeah. play. All right, well, in a vacuum, that's not that bad. But when it happens every – they've given up a run of at least 40 yards, um, I think, the last four weeks. Debo had a, only Den, only Denver the only team that didn't. <laughs> yeah, Debo had a 50-yarder. Cordell had a 40. Jamal Williams had a 50. And then Taysom had a 60. Like, that's – and it was something different each time. Like the Debo one was a missed tackle by Daryl, I want to say. Yes. And then the Cordell Cordell was uh Uchenna Josh came Brown. too far. No, the, the the Cordell Patterson one was Uchenna came too far upfield. Um, oh yeah, on that. Backside. Okay, yep. He's the backside uh backer um there, so he came too far upfield because he thought it was a bootleg, and then the what the gap was too big, um so he just ran right through it. Uh, the Jamal Williams one was yeah a missed tackle by. By that Josh. Was by Josh. Yeah. They got it fitted and then Josh misses the tackle. And then uh today they have it Quandre. kind of bottled. Yeah, and then then Quandre misses one. Um and it's something it's something. Every time it's, it's just like 
I see why after the game, guys are just like, we got to clean up, clean up, clean up. That's like the go-to word for every team. There's some things we can clean up. Like, I do get that. They're not even tripping. Because in real time, it can definitely feel like that if you're just asking about an individual game, individual drive, or individual play. But now we have a five-week sample. If if there's something new that's back-breaking to clean up every drive or every week, that's very tough. It's just like eventually you're not cleaning up. You're cleaning up one thing, and then something else is dirty. That's that, that once you start to stack those up, those issues, that's that's tough. They're giving up a big explosive pass play pretty much every like a killer, you know, pretty much every week. It's a it's a problem and it's overshadowing Chris some decent play individually by some cats. Oh, you speaking know? of decent play, yeah, let's get to it. <laughs> yeah, Show my love, yeah, the king. What do you call him, Mike? Yeah, the nick Gino's earned a nickname now. King Gene. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's doing uh, it. His real name is Eugene, um, or his birth name, I should say. His name is Gino, but um, yeah, Eugene, Gene Smith. Look, man, I'm not. I've been pretty critical of Gino. Uh, we have on this program um, for for a little bit of time. Fair criticism, too. You know, to, in our defense, it ain't like we just like hey, Gino's ass. No, it was like these are specific things that we have concerns about. Um, the thing, I, even just before this season in particular. I was like, Geno Smith's the type of guy who can keep you um, in a game, but can he go win you a game? You know, and he he was able to go win him the Detroit game, um, but then even today, like they didn't didn't come up, you know, clutch like he should have. But it's very clear, like that if they the Seahawks, if you list all the Seahawks problems, the twenty twenty two Seahawks, the Geno is like bottom if he even makes the list. He is balling. Yeah, he had them, Chris, them two throws to Tyler for touchdowns. He had a bunch of good throws today, but that those two in particular are like, give me $40 million a year type of throws. And I don't mean that as hyperbole. Like, you look at the type of throws that the dude to all make $40 million a year, you know, Russell, at least just not this year, but Russell, Aaron Rodgers, who are the, uh, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, who else makes 40? Lamar. Now, Lamar ain't got paid yet. Lamar ain't got paid right. yet. Uh, Josh Allen, you like, said Patrick. Yeah, I did not say Mahomes. Mahomes as well. Like the dudes making that type of bread. There's a bunch of reasons why those guys, in particular, make all that money. But in part is because they can make throws like that. The first one to Tyler, that is that is nails. Both of those, I was showing some guys on the offense the plays in the locker room because they don't get a chance to watch a lot of replays. So I was, I pulled some of them up, and then they were just like. It's not like they were surprised because they were there, but they were just like, yeah, dog, like he he's him. You know, like that's that's it. He is he's he's that dude. Like he's he's it's there are some nitpicking we could do, Chris, but like you score 32 points, you should win in the NFL. There's no you should win. You should 32 points for back to back weeks wasn't enough to get it done. That's that's that to me, that's not an offensive issue. They were one of eleven today, but yo, man. Chris, did you see the second throw to Tyler? Come on, man. What? What? If you if Gino is doing what Gino wants out there offensively. Outside of the Niners game, he has been money on every as every aspect of the game. From check downs to making different reads to using the tight ends. He did everything that he needed to do for the Seahawks to win the game. 
Mm-hmm. He can't control DK catching the ball. He can't control Will Disley catching the ball. He can't control DK holding onto a football, whether it's a fumble or not. It is what it is. He has no control over that. He was putting perfect placement for these passes. He was keeping the Seahawks in the game. He is the reason why the Seahawks were in the game to begin with. Is because Gino was cooking. Gino was the sole reason this team had an opportunity. And unfortunately, they couldn't get it done because defensively, there are still issues. You mentioned they averaged in 30 the last few games. How is that not winning? <laughs> That's the problem here. Is it, Gino can only do so much. He was yeah. the reason they could have won this game, and it still wasn't enough. They got turnovers. Defensively, they forced some turnovers today, and they still found a way to lose this game. That is a tough pill to swallow, but I got to give love to Gino, man. He, even when I was at training camp watching him throw deep passes and we were chatting about it, and it, it wasn't looking great. No, it, wasn't, it, it didn't look as it looked now. No, you, not if, at all. If, not you, at all. If, if any of you guys listening or watching the show were at training camp and the passes he made the past few weeks, you're thinking, where was this in training camp? Maybe it was a little nervous here. It's his first time being a starter in a long time. He has the range with two elite wide receivers and Ty Lockett and DK Metcalf. Maybe that's what it was because you wouldn't be able to tell. You would think he was making these throws in practice and they were lighting up the defense, which is interesting because the defense was playing pretty well against the Seahawks. Bro, the defense won more days than the offense did of the training camp practices that I was at. And I, I think I only missed practice when we were in Vegas. I think that was like, two days, including two practice days in the scrimmage. I think that's all I missed of training camp. So about three days out of however many it was. And the defense had a lot of really good days. So, like, it's – nah, man. Gino, dog, he is a – look, put it this way. Here's a, here's a number. There's, there's plenty of numbers I could use. But remember Pete Carroll said, we're going to open up the offense. Like, we're not going to hold Gino back. Like, he can, he can do this. That was after week two, right? So let's go from week three to week five. There's a three-week sample. Not a huge sample, but, I mean, hey. In that sample, the Seahawks lead the league in scoring. <laughs> now, the, we're, we're recording right now during the Sunday night game, and the Chiefs play tomorrow, so or at least Monday when this comes out. So this could change. But for now, the Seahawks are averaging 34 points the last three weeks. That's, that's the most in the league. No one else is over 30. Again, the Chiefs play tomorrow and they're at 29 so that could change uh, but still you get my you get my drift on that in that same span they are allowing 37 that's the height that's the most in the league so like while there are ways to nitpick like you know the sack he took on the third and two i gotta watch it again but like you can't third and two that's 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 not a time for a 14 yard sack but i'm under the impression that they weren't gonna go for it if they he had just thrown it away because they were on – what yard line were they on on that sack today? They were on their own – where were they at? They were on their own 33, I believe. Yeah, that's tough. They probably were going to punt. So I can see why he was like, I got to make a play. Like that, that some of the sacks I got to rewatch, um, that that was a tough one. The play, they, the play call was tricky because they left some guys in the protect, and then Tyler and DK both got doubled, and the only thing open was no offense, and that would have been a risky throw. Um, but – yeah, Gino, Gino is not – I got no questions about that dude. I'm assuming you don't either because, like, it, when I'm watching the Seahawks play, 
I'm not really thinking, dang, yeah, that seven is not the answer. Not only does Gino look like the answer for this season, that he's he turns 32 tomorrow. Like that that ain't old at all. Yeah. That's the, I think that that's younger than uh, how uh, when the whatever Matt Stafford was when the Rams traded for him. So like he's that 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 dude is gonna have a a future now. Obviously, when teams get more tape on him, we'll see how it goes. But there, the list, Chris, the list of people. Let's do this as an exercise. Name all the quarterbacks playing better football than Geno Smith right now. So you got five Lamar league. Jackson. You got Jalen Hurt or not Jalen Hurt? Yeah, Hurts. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Okay, Hurts. I'm tripping. You got Patrick Mahomes. And who am I missing? Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Those four. That's he's in the mix with Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence until today Sunday's game where he looked like crap. And who am I missing? Uh, that's, that's. I guess it, you can bro. throw in Joe Burrow. He's bounced back. Yeah, Joe's Joe, Joe played well too. Yeah, no, nah, he's playing. He's but, playing right now after record, so the numbers aren't. But yeah, I would say Geno's in the mix with those guys with Aaron Rodgers. So like tier two per, per se. Because tier one right Aaron Rodgers. He's not Rodgers. He looks good. He looks yeah, really yet. good. And he yeah. he knows the broadcast kept talking about how Geno knows the offense so well. You can see it. I don't know how many times in zones these teams are running cover three, corners are dropping down, dropping back deep, linebackers not getting under tie locket, laser in the zone. Gino just knows the reads. He clearly studies the tape. He knows what he wants to get out of Lockett, out of DK, out of the tight end. Something that we haven't seen in a long time. Tight end usage like this. The last time we saw that was with Will Disley when he got hurt. He was off to a career start. Then he Which year? Week is his rookie year? Yeah, his rookie season. And then yeah, he got hurt. He got hurt, and that was it. Tight ends, the Seahawks brought in Gerald Everett. Didn't really, didn't really work. So you guys make a trade, and now tight ends are eating. Will Disley leading the team. Noah Fan had a pretty good day Sunday against against the <clears throat> excuse me against the uh, why am I drawing a blank here? Thanks. The Saints. Thank you. Yeah. He had a pretty good day, but they're Geno's doing everything, using the middle of the field, hitting deep passes, doing the same things that Russ was able to do. Play action passing. You saw you mentioned the one earlier today where he's rolling out to his left and finds Noah. Well, we talked about off wax, but he's rolling to a left in a play action. That was a beautiful dart to Noah Fan for a first down right over the, the DB's head. Those are things that damn Gino. We wrote we wrote you off, bro. And you didn't write back. We see you. <laughs> now, to be fair, like I said, I think our criticisms were ju definitely justified. Like Here's the the main thing I'm surprised by, and I've been telling people this privately too, is that, and I've I've, I've been writing it too. What Geno's done that's been so impressive is he's able to, because remember after at week two he was leading the league in completion percentage, but he was dead last in air yards per attempt, and I think he had only thrown a couple touchdowns at the time. Now, and I was like, oh well, that just means your your passes are being caught, but they're not going anywhere, um, and they're not very impactful passes either, because they're not moving the stains and you're not scoring any points. That was I thought, okay, when Pete was like, we're gonna open it up, I was like, okay, well, the question I now have is can you open it up with Gino and then not compromise ball security or um, efficiency? The answer is hell yes. He's still pushing it downfield and he's not putting the ball in harm's way. 
he's scoring points and he's still efficient. I think he still leads the league in completion percentage, for example. Um, like that's that's nuts to me. And to be able to protect the ball like he is, that's basically like the best of both worlds. It's everything they were getting from Russ in terms of like hit standing in the uh, to be able to throw it deep and make the explosive plays without throwing it to the other team at a high rate. And it's the ability to take what the defense gives you with the underneath stuff too. stand in there, hit the middle of the field, be productive on third and longs, which they're in entering this game. They were one of the best. This is getting the best of both worlds with this cat. That is, I had, a, I, I thought I had a legit question at the time in that, like, can he, can he be aggressive without compromising ball security or efficiency? That was a legit question. I think even Pete Carroll probably had to wonder a little bit about that. The answer is yes. And yeah, you know, he gets to talk shit, have many press conferences he wants, keep playing like this. And when he asked, uh, I tweeted the clip out where he was like, you surprised that I'm leading the league in pass rating or, you know, whatever. And the reporter who asked him was like, yeah, a little bit. It's like, well, you ain't seen me throw. All right. That was a little ballsy. Yeah. After playing the Lions. No, no, no. That Saints defense is legit. He cooked them. Yeah. That's a, uh, nah, man. That's respect to King Gene, man. That's yeah, that boy balling, man. He he and the offense deserve better than what the defense had given them. That's that's, well, that's, that's we we got Twitter questions, but for the most part, yeah, we shout out to Gino, man. He's he's definitely doing his thing, Mike, for sure. Are you ready to get these Twitter questions underway here? Because we got quite a few. Yeah, I know we do. Let, let's let's do it. Well, actually, let me make a disclaimer because after going through them. A lot of them, I would say we have 40 Twitter questions. I'd say 10 to 12 are all about the defense. And I'm going to take and pull questions from the defense and combine this into a really big one, Mike. So the answer might be three to five minutes, and that's okay. Okay. A lot of the questions are revolving around 3-4, three, 4-3. Four, four, three. Should they switch? Personnel. Is it the guys on the field? Is it bad coaching from Pete? Tackling. So, Mike, the big question is, what is the issue with the defense? Is it all those things combined? Personnel, bad tackling? Is it the fact that they can't figure out the scheme? What is the initial problem to why this defense has been terrible this season? Uh, so I think the scheme thing is a good question. But I, I've been tech people have texted me that or DM me or whatever. I've been telling them you can't scheme around poor execution. Right? Like that, there is no scheme. For that, there's not you can't magically switch to a three four, magically switch to a four three or two high or one higher, cover six or cover one, cover three. Um, you just can't. There's just no scheme around bad execution. There's none. Like for example, the Seahawks run a three four, you know, base base. Uh, uh, they run three four base split safety structure. They are not the only team running that. <laughs> Plenty of teams are running that. Plenty of teams are not giving up thirty points a night because their players are executing. Right, you have to be able to execute whatever scheme you run. Like I had, a, I had a tweet. I was watching some Legion of Boom tape last week. I forget why. Um, just reminiscing on how good the defense was. <laughs> there was a purpose. I just can't remember it off the top of my head. But I was just marveling, and I tweeted it. I was like, "This defense was insane. Like the the scheme was not it. That Legion of Boom. This is my hot take for the week, I guess. The, the, it didn't matter what defense the Legion of Boom ran. They could have been running cover zero quarters." Uh, cover six, cover two, cover eight, cover nine. All those are real coverages, by the way. They could have been running all that shit. Wouldn't have mattered. They would have been the best defense in the world because the players were so damn good. It did not matter. It did not matter what they were running. Like, imagine a two high with Cam and Earl <laughs> and a four-man rush where Mike B is coming off the bench, which I think he did in 2013 because they had Clemens 
Uh, like, that's insane. You can run whatever you want. So my point in saying that is you can't, the scheme won't matter. Let's say they run a 4-3, right? So you have Big Al, Shelby, and your Uchenna, and then like Boye or something like that. And then your, um, your, your, your Stam linebacker is like Daryl, Daryl Taylor. And then you got Jordan and you got Cody. Like, did, if those guys don't execute, if those guys don't get off blocks, get penetration up front, and if the guys don't tackle, like if you do a single high, and if the guys don't tackle and get off blocks, it don't matter. If, you're, if your corners get penalties on third downs, it don't matter. If your guys jump off sides, it don't matter. If you can't tackle in the run fit, it don't matter. If you guys aren't on the same page, you know, one guy says, hey, we're playing man right here, and the other guys keep playing zone, then, then it don't matter. So I think whether you're 4 3, 3 4, you know, a lot of there's different defenses doing different stuff. You know, the Niners, Niners run like, uh, they run more too high, but they're really, they, they ask their four to get there. They have really good linebackers, and then their corners before today, I think some guys got hurt, like Emmanuel Mosley and uh, something Ward, whoever's number seven um, for them. They play really well, and then just give that Hufunga dude or whatever a chance to roam. Seahawks could run that scheme, but until Ryan Neal plays like the Hufunga dude, am I saying his name right? Is Hufunga? Uh, let me look it up for you. Hang on. Dude who had to pick six on Monday night, the Polynesian brother. Until you got a guy playing like that, and you know, like that, that don't matter what scheme you run. So I get the questions. Those are fair questions. Like, hey, should we switch schemes? A guy's not getting the three, four. There are some elements of the scheme that guys are not executing, right? Uh, for example, if you're going to play the split safety stuff in the run game, you need your linebackers to get off. You need It starts at the up front. You need your guys to eat up two blocks and, like, hold two gaps at the same time. If they are going to get double teamed with two blocks, you need them to hold that double team so Jordan or Cody or whoever, Josh Jones or Quandre, can fill the hole, make the tackle. Well, if your defensive tackle just gets blown off the line and then the, the, the guard or the center or whoever gets to climb up to the next level and, and get to Cody or get to Jordan or get to Josh Jones or Ryan Neal or Quanjay or whoever, then no matter what, you know, the, the play is screwed. You know, I think the Jamal Williams touchdown from week four was a good example of that. Like the scheme didn't matter, guys, and executed. So I think it starts there, but you're asking, you're asking your D-line to do a particular thing and that's not being done. In a four-three, you would you would have guys be a little bit more aggressive, um, but they're already running four down front. They're running nickel half the damn time, <laughs> and that's still not that's not getting getting guys home. You know, guys are not getting the penetration needed to make the plays in the backfield. How many D linemen made a play in the backfield today? You know, I think Quentin Jefferson made one. I know Uchenna made one. I think Al made a couple, uh, but in general, guys get knocked off the ball. Well, then that, that's a problem. You can't scheme around guys getting knocked off the ball. Ain't no scheme that is good for uh, when you don't have no D lineman getting off the ball. There's none. <laughs> so the scheme questions are valid, but I have, I have, there's nothing you can do to, you can change your structure or whatever. You have to have guys execute stuff. You know, you have your DBs have to be able to tackle in the scheme in particular, right? Even if you switch to a different scheme, your, your lineman will be able to have to, be aggressive and shoot their gaps and your your linebackers would have to be able to get off stuff like this every scheme has something it's asking someone to do but guys just aren't doing any of it whether it's tackling filling making plays on the ball you know if Tariq couldn't catch things would be a lot worse for this defense right now Tariq being able to catch saving the day in some cases because like the pick six was the difference in the Lions game 
know, the Lions outscored, the Lions offense scored more points than the Seahawks offense. The Seahawks just got a pick six on D. So there's nothing you can scheme around when guys aren't executing. That's the short version of that, which is, that's another reason why I'm so concerned. Cause I'm like, oh, let's just change the scheme. Well, no, you can ask guys to do a few different techniques here and there, but shoot, man, every scheme requires guys to get off blocks. You know, that's just the real of it. This one is from Steve Forbes at Forbes Crew. Was it my imagination or was Quandre Diggs a liability on Sunday? He's, he hasn't seemed to be as impactful as last season. Uh, liability, I, I, that's tough. I, I wouldn't say liability. Uh, yeah, he, 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 the impactful part I agree with. Um, and yeah, there's been some plays where that he's, that he's made this year. Or his days not made this year that he would have made, you know, in previous seasons. Um, I do think in general, when when other guys are not doing their job too, it does make free safety tough. Um, that's not an excuse, but you look at the teams that, like, it's very rare. For instance, you have a free safety who is really good on a bad defense. You know, like it can happen. I mean, it basically happened last year, um, but that's really rare like you look at all the best ones usually their defenses are pretty good for the most part whether it's dude in denver whether it's dude in cincinnati think simmons. Jesse yeah, simmons, simmons is denver bates is cincinnati minka fitzpatrick um even boot is a little bit of everything uh, in arizona but their defense is bad right now um as well but you guys get what i'm saying like the free safety gets to make all those plays when the the team has no no other recourse but to put him in positions to make plays like for example Diggs was really good last year running the alley and tackling in the run but the runs were fitted up in a way that like all right he has the alley now he doesn't like i use that cordell patterson run for example that 40 yarder he comes in at the right angle to make to just pop him like we've seen him do a ton of times because there was no edge set cordell was able to just bounce it outside Whereas in the past, he hasn't been able, you know, to do that. The Taysom play today, which is you just got to make, you get out on the ground. That's just, that's pretty straightforward. And no, no analysis on that, but it does. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of plays are basically the non-premium positions. They are reliant on some other guys in that way. Like it is hard for like an inside linebacker to make plays when his D line isn't very good. You know what I mean? It doesn't make, it's hard when you got a center or a guard climbing up to you every run play. It's like, damn, dog, am I gonna get be able to shoot this gap? You know, so it's it's tough. I don't think liability is too tough on on Quandre though. Uh, but yeah, the, the Taysom play today was that was that was that was that was bad. That's that you you just gotta get a guy on the ground. That's just that simple. This front is from Zach at Z Jabel. Which, if any players on the roster, do you think can be a part of the next good Seahawks defense moving forward? Uh, good question. Um, Uchenna, for sure. Uchenna's only like 25 or something like that. He's a good player. Um, Al's like 35, so that's probably that's probably out. But Brian Monet's good, too. Like, when Al was out late in the game, like, Brian Monet made some good run stops to put them in, like, situations to get off the field. They just couldn't. Uchenna, Brian Monet, pretty young cat. Who else? It's still Quandre, of course. Um, Kobe Bryant is uh, – Kobe's really good at getting the ball out. That dude's forced three fumbles already. Okay, yeah. He forced Debo to fumble. Debo just recovered. Um, but he did force a fumble on Debo. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that dude's making plays. I would see Tariq. Tariq, Tariq looks like he's 
the front runner for defensive rookie of the year. I don't know what other defensive rookies are having this type of impact. Like Soft, he's getting, he had a he, he looked good today or Sunday, excuse Soft, me. Sauce did, yeah, not. Um, Sauce is also like Sauce's numbers have been very good. Sauce and DJ Reed up in New York have been putting up some some good numbers. But Tariq's getting his hands on the ball. He's already scored a touchdown. Like Tariq's been one of the best corners in the league, just in general, independent of what year. You know, you, you come in, him, Trevon Diggs, um, there's been a few guys. Lattimore's had some up and downs. AJ Terrell has ups and downs. Jalen Ramsey's had a weird year. Um, but yeah, it's Tariq's three picks, a touchdown. Now, he hasn't given up a touchdown uh, as well. Like, that's if you're scoring more touchdowns than you allow as a corner, that's pretty impressive. So, yeah, I think that would probably be it. For, oh, Boye. Boye. I think, I think there's a, a lot of room. Boy, after after that, I'm not really sure, man. There's just it's a lot of holes. Oh, and Jordan too. Jordan's a good player, man. I just think that the it's just there's usually something. There's like one one or two plays where something goes wrong in his area. You know, like in week two, it was the the tight end touchdown. That was an error on his part. The TJ the first TJ Hawkinson touchdown last week, error uh, on his part. Then today, there's that Chris. You remember this? Like it's like third and four, and they convert real late in the game. Might be the last third down they converted through the air, and it's a crosser. He's wide open. He's wide open because Jordan chases the other crosser. Where, yeah. While while Kobe Bryant that. pointing, yep. to take the guy that ultimately catches the ball. So you look and see it's Jordan and Kobe are right on the same crosser, and and then Kobe Cody Cody Barton has the flat. With Kamara, that's fine. You have to go get the flat, and then wide open guy. Like it's stuff like that. It's not like he's a bad player. That's just that's just an awareness thing, I think. You know, so yeah, it's he he would be in that nucleus too. After that, though, man, it's just hard to it's it's hard to identify guys that like when things do turn around, that guy will be on the team or be on the field. You know, there's there's only a handful of dudes like that on the roster right now. What is our opinion on players replying to criticism on Twitter as Quandre Diggs has done on Sunday? Good for accountability or more of a distraction? Oh, I didn't see that. I mean, what did Quandre say? What did he say on Twitter? Basic, basically, someone was saying Quandre missed four plus tackles or something, and Quandre was basically saying, I'm going to correct you. It was one. I do got to bring him down, but let's not get there. Let's not take it there and saying I had four missed tackles and only had one. That was basically Quandre's response. I can oh, yeah. I yeah, no, I, I see. As uh, someone says, it, but he's getting, he's being tagged in a tweet, um, it looks like. And, excuse me, someone says, oh, I don't even know if he's tagged in this. Oh, yeah, he's tagged. Um, he is not, someone says, I know, but he is not playing well at all. He missed three big tackles today by my count. Quandre says one. I'll correct you and take responsibility for that. Um but don't start no BS. No, he's right. Like I said, like I just said in the previous answer, he missed one tackle against Taysom. Now, that's a big miss. That is a big miss. Like if that happened to Cody Barton, for example, you know, people would be all on his ass, right? Like, like he did on like the TJ Hawkinson one last week. Cody missed that. Everybody's on his ass. That's fair. That's very fair criticism. But yeah, I think it was just a one, you know, but when you're the safety, they all look bad. Like Josh Jones last week and the Jamal Williams. If that was the only tackle Josh Jones missed that, last game it wasn't but if it was like it looks really bad because it led to a 50 yard touchdown that's the thing about being safety um 
But yeah, that's why I said liability is way too strong. Like, if again, let's use, let's use the Geno example. If I had to list out all the problems with the Seahawks in 2022, Nino, Quandre, Nino would be very, not very, he'd be low. They're just much, there's bigger issues. Three other people have already been benched. <laughs> you know, like, I don't mean it like jokingly, but like, Michael Jackson's job clearly is up for grabs. They keep rotating a new dude in there every week. Uh, Artie Burns is the guy today. They've already cut Daryl Taylor's snaps. They already tried Big Nickel to get Cody off the field. Um, like, the other guys are already losing their jobs. So it's yeah, uh, Nino, very low on the list. Today. This one is from JB. We seem to be really missing leadership of Bobby. Is there anyone on the team? That can step up and guide the linebackers to the right position, and and he, what he means is guide these guys to where they're supposed to be on the field to make plays. Because it doesn't seem that Barton and Brooks are figuring it out and getting it done. Yeah, it's called a coach. That's exactly what your coach is supposed to do. And I, I get the question though. I, I mean, look, man, I think there's a lot of potential in Cody and Jordan. Um, I think honestly, Cody made a point today. I was like, he was like, uh, you know, I think we made some strides today. He was like, I know it look, looks bad. Like he understood what he like, that sounds kind of crazy, but we think we made some strides. I said, where well, you make some strides at? Like genuinely asking. He was like, like, man, we were, we got back to the fundamentals. We were running and we were hitting. And like, even he's like, even in the run game, they had that, they had the big 60 yarder. And then, in the, and then like the other big play, they had the screen pass. It's like that, man, we, we was doing good. We gave up those two joints and like i get where he's coming from like i see something there uh, i do but hold on R run me the question again i got you let me pull it up it was leadership wise is there oh, yeah, anyone yeah, got you. the linebackers got you but no I, that's why i started with that i say all that to say that this is not that surprising and, and it shouldn't be for anyone because it's it's when I say this, you'll be like, oh, duh. Their defensive coordinator in the past was their linebackers coach, who's a former linebacker who went out of his way to help the linebackers because that's what he knows. He played linebacker in the NFL, coached linebackers, and helped groom two of the best linebackers in Seahawks history. Like, to lose your linebackers coach, essentially, and then to lose the two of the best linebackers, like, that matters that does like it's not that complicated you know kj was a very good player he never played bad for the seahawks he's not here bobby wagner never quite literally never had a bad season <laughs> in 10 years <laughs> like that's really hard to do those guys are gone and their linebackers coach who helped groom them is gone too not to say that like uh, everything's on the fault of those two dudes and then the coaches now, but like if you ask me, hey, what's going on with our linebackers? Well, the two you just had 10 years ago and the coach who helped them out the whole time, you know? So I think that's 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 no mystery. Eh? One plus one equals two. So um, if it feels like it's mi something missing, well, yeah. It's number 45 on the Rams and the guy who's on 710 every Wednesday at 8 a.m., <laughs> There you go. And then the linebackers coach for UCLA. I think he, I think that's what Ken Norton is now. Yeah. Um, so, or he's the DC or whatever down there, UCLA. Anyway, like, yeah, something's missing. Which position group should be prioritized to address in the trade, maybe free agents market? 
Um, that's a good question. I want to say I want to say Edge because not to say that that position is necessarily struggling more than the others. I just think that it's the easiest one to like jump in if you don't know the playbook all that well. You know what I mean? Especially if you're just like a naturally good player. Like if you're trying to play inside linebacker on a new team, that that's pretty tough. You got to go know a lot of calls. You're on the field a lot. And just being a linebacker in the NFL is really tough. Because you're you are the easiest. If the if I'm an offensive coordinator, I'm like, all right, I want to put somebody in the most compromising situations possible, whether it's with our run game or our pass game. Where should we start? It'd be the linebackers every time. It would because they have those run pass responsibilities, and if they step one way wrong on any given play, it's over. So I would there there's the linebackers are just always in conflict in any scheme. By the way, it does not matter what the scheme. So like that's it's just hard to be a linebacker right now in general. You can be good at it, but you like there's a reason why some of the dudes who are great at it are making a lot of bread. Um, like if you want to see what the best version of it looks like right now, is go watch Fred Warner. Fred Warner is freaking nasty at everything you ask him to do, no matter what the scheme is. But um, so I would that's so I said that to say I would go with the edge. You can plug an edge guy in. You got to know some of the calls and stuff with the front. But hell, Carlos Dunlap didn't know to play. He had two sacks his first game. You know why? Because he's talented. And he just, he, he quite literally on one play did the wrong shit and got a tackle for loss for like three yards. First, first game. So edge, if you're just going to plug guys in right now, like trade-wise, uh, when it gets to later in the year, then it's, um, I th- man, actually I'd probably say edge then too for, for similar reasons. I think, I think if you're going to spend money there, spend stuff there, you should try and you should try and spend it at a premium position and then draft for the other stuff inside interior line interior linebacker inside linebacker uh safety if you're gonna do that you should draft there and then try to spend everywhere else maybe spend in another corner opposite Tariq because it could get real shut down if you put someone opposite Tariq who's like shut down shut down for real for real and could catch you want to know what that looks like watch Dallas Dallas don't let nobody score on them. Like, it's pretty crazy. I think the guy opposite Trevon Diggs is named Anthony Brown or something like that. Whoever's number three for Dallas. That dude is nasty. So, yeah, that that would be my plan. Spend at the spend or trade at the premium positions and then draft the other ones. Are you worried that Coach Carroll is getting out coached by newcomers like Arthur Smith and Dennis Allen? This one is from at Dennis Gill 10. I don't know if it's a Pete thing. I'd have to know more about the game plan. Um, but yeah, some, like we talked about a little earlier, some of that is concerning. That is. It's just like you got to – the other the other team is forcing you to have answers and you don't have them. And some of them is execution, but some of them, yeah, we're looking like, yep, got schemed up. Remember last year, DJ Ray was like, they schemed our ass up. That was after the Vikings game. You know, like they did. And they ran some stuff like against the Falcons. They got schemed up a little bit too. They had to adjust in the second half. There, there is some stuff. They are getting schemed up a little bit, and they, they will say that. Well, maybe not publicly, but yeah, they are. The overall scheme is fine, but yeah, no. The the other team's coaches are are coming away feeling okay. Put it this way: a lot of the other team's offensive coaches are probably feeling just as good as Seattle's offensive coaches be feeling after some of these games. Some of these Seattle's offensive coaches gonna be like, "Hey, man, we kicked their ass." You know, on some stuff. Maybe not this game in particular, just because one of 11 on third down. But, like, for the most part, they're probably like, yeah, we did our thing. They come out the press box like, yo, okay, we outside. We here. 
that's how other teams' coaches are feeling. I think that is concerning. I don't know if it's Pete or Clint or Carl, Scott or Shardis. I don't know. I don't. I'd have to know more about who's in charge of what. But in general, I do think yes, it is concerning that like these other teams are coming in here with plans and executing them, and they have answers to how Seattle is attacking them. That that is pretty. That that's tough. This one is from Orange Monkeys Three. What two defensive positions are Seattle gonna? What do you say? What is the name? Orange Monkeys? Yeah, Orange Monkeys 3. Oh, that's funny. Go ahead. What two defensive positions are Seattle going to draft with their two top 10 draft picks next year? Well, I know I said that they're going to that they should pay for the premium ones and draft at the non ones. I think that's actually what's going to happen. Maybe they'll take it depends on who's available, but I would probably guess that if they're like we're good at quarterback, which to be fair, I hear you. Pete's like, you know what? Seven's good enough. I'm like, hey, I heard you. I hear you. I hear you, coach. Um, I could see them spending on like run stopping positions, quote unquote, another linebacker, a a box safety, um, another nose, probably. Like if there's a guy like um, Jordan Davis from the Eagles, who was that nose tackle from Georgia, that guy, I think he, I think he was a first round pick last year. If there's a guy like that, in the draft, I can see like the Seahawks taking like run stopping ones because if this if this regime is still here, by the way, which is no guarantee based on how the season is going. Uh most defensive coordinators are like, oh, we stop the run, make them one-dimensional. Like everything starts with stopping the run. So I can see this particular regime being like, Well, how can we get better at the run? Let's draft run stopping early down positions, nose tackles, inside linebackers, box safeties. I could see that. Whether I would do that, it depends on the prospect. We'd have to see. But in general, I can see that's what Pete and John will be thinking if those guys are the ones in charge of the 2023 draft. This one is from 509 Hawk Fan. How much worse does this have to get before Pete is actually on the hot seat? Or does Jody just not care? I mean, Jody cares. It has to, I think, I, I feel like I say some version of this every week. They have to start getting blown out, I think. Like, if they're just in all the games that they lose, that's not enough to f- get the coach fired, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure. Like, what if they – what they, they got blown out by the Niners. That's inexcusable. Losing stinks regardless. But, like, you lose by, what, four to the Falcons. You you lose by – what they lose by today? Seven. You know, like, they're in every – I mean, and, you know, like, if they continue to be in the games, even if they lose them, Jody ain't about to be like, yeah, it's Pete guy. Nah, nah, that's not how that. That's not. How, I'm pretty confident that's not how that's gonna go. So long as Pete still has the locker room, like if she tries to take a temperature of the building and the coaching staff and the players, and it's like, yo, this this is broken. Then I think unless she does that, I think it would take some blowouts. Got to get blown up. Now that could happen. There could be a game where Gino doesn't have it, or the running game doesn't have it, or the old line doesn't have it, and it's up to the defense to make those plays, and then they don't. But until that happens on a consistent basis, I think Pete's fine. This one is from Rich Edwards at Cheeky Richie. How likely is it that Pete was right to move on in 2022, but Russ was right to want to cook in 2018? Uh, The answer to that is like, yes, Pete and Russ had valid points on both sides. Neither guy was like, man, you tripping. Like, I see why Pete was like, let's run the ball, play good defense, take what the defense gives us, yada, yada, yada. Like, I see that. It, it works. It can work. The Niners do it all the time, you know. Um, the Rams have a similar philosophy with Jared Goff and went to Super Bowl. Like it can, it can work. Um, 
And I also see why Russell's like, man, fuck that. I see it. I, I see the. I saw the vision there too. I think what's interesting about the choice between the two of them is there's a there's a world where they're both they both lose. Like Russ gets what he wants and it flops in Denver, and then Pete Carroll finds a new QB, but then his defense is broken. So then it's just like, all right, if Jody had to choose Jody Allen, the owner, had to choose between Pete and Russ. All right, well, Russ is suddenly bad at the thing that he was supposed to bring, offense. Pete's suddenly bad at the defense. Not suddenly, it's just years in the making. But, like, in that scenario, nobody really wins. You know, like, Seahawks fans can look at Russ struggling all they want. And, oh, well, look, look at that. Pete was right. We got Geno. We're good. Ooh, okay, cool. But you also chose the coach whose calling card is defense. And his defense is bad, again, for the umpteenth year in a row. So, as I said, nobody really wins in, in that. Like, Pete was always right, and Pete was always wrong. Russ was always had a point and Russ also was wrong too at the same time. Like this, I feel like we're going to live in a world where both of both of the franchises ultimately have to start over um, because of the decisions they made. No one's going to be right in the long term, I don't think. This one is from Michael Scott. How do you think the running game will fare without Rashad Penny? As, as special as, as Rashad is though, um, and talked about him at the top of the show, just wishing him well. We see why they drafted Ken. That kid can go. That Look at that zone run that he, he scores. I think that was a zone run. I got to watch it again. That's one cut, gone. That's one cut, comes backside, and it's over. It's over. He can do that. Rashad can do that, and Ken can do that. And that when you, you got two guys who can do that. You know what I mean? It'd be like if, if the Browns lost Nick Chubb. Like, oh, man, what are we going to do without Nick Chubb? The answer is run it to Kareem Hunt. Same thing with the Cowboys. Dang, what? We lost Zeke. What are we going to do? We're going to run Tony Pollard. Like, I think Tony had a big one today um, for, the, for the Cowboys. Same thing. Same thing in Green Bay. Oh, we lost Aaron Jones. What are we going to do? That stinks. We also got A.J. Dillon. Like, I feel like when you got the scheme and the and the, and the right talent, they'll, I think it'll ultimately be fine. Um Maybe some of the DJ Dallas will get some a little bit more reps because Ken still seems to have a few plays where like Gino has to like tell him specifically what to do. I don't know if they talk about that on the broadcast at all. But it feels like a couple snaps where Gino's like, "Look, here, bro, stand right here and do this," and then he does it. Um, it's fine; he's a rookie. But yeah, no. In terms of running the ball and being efficient, I think they're gonna have that because Ken <laughs> sixty nine yards to the house. <laughs> that boy, he's special. Like, he's a very, very, very special talent. This one is from Shiv Ramdas. Can the Seahawks use the next draft to build around their elite franchise quarterback in Geno? Uh, yeah, you could, but you're still growing pains with rookies. Like eventually, some of the that's why I wrote about Cody, Daryl, and Jordan a couple weeks ago. While it's fine to have some rookies and some young dudes playing well, like super young, like rookies guys playing well, you have to you still have to have some veterans and some like other guys on rookie deals. You know what I mean? Like Jordan still has multiple years left where he's for the for the dirt, like for the he's making, you know, he's on the cheap in terms of his contract. Daryl does too. Cody is for now. And then he's a free agent. Like you need guys like that to play well. As well when I watched Legion of Boom, that's what stood out. They had a bunch of guys who were good on their rookie deals. Like by year one, two, or three, those guys were the best players at their positions while they were still for the low. That's very important. So while I think, yeah, sure, go draft, go hit on another class. That's fine. But like, 
I think this class is fine too. And then still that's not doing stuff because there's still going to be rookie growing pains and things like that. So yeah, sure. How many draft picks do they have next year? Let's say they have like seven, eight draft, eight defensive players, whatever. But you still would have growing pains with each guy and it will still take time and you still need other guys at other spots to play well. This one is from Aloha Beats. The Seahawks didn't miss delivering so far in the 2022-2023 season, especially with their 2022 draft. Who was the MVP of the class? Uh, probably Abe. Abe has been really good, man. I can't we don't I can't talk about him much because he's a you know a lineman and I watch a lot of film to really know, but like he's he's killing it, man. He I think did he give up a sack today? I don't know if he gave up a sack today. He might. Oh, he did. I, Cam Jordan yeah, Blue. Cam, yeah. yeah, that was that was tough. Um, so maybe it's Tariq. Uh, then it's, it's between those two men. Those two dudes, is, I see it. You know what I'm saying? They're playing well in the present, and I project them to be like guys that someone's going to have to pay in the future. Whether it's the Seahawks or another team, Abe's going to get a second contract. You can just see it. Tariq's going to get a second contract. You can just see it. Whether Again, whether it's here or another team, you can just see that already down the road for both of them. Like That's, that's really impressive. But that goes to the, the last question, though. Yeah, but that that doesn't always help you in the present when it's just a handful of guys. You need some vets playing well, and you need some other guys on their deals. Like, as high as I'm, this is not necessarily to that particular question, but I keep trying to remind people, yes, it's great. 2022 class looks outstanding. All that does is make up for the disaster that the 2021 class turned out to be. And not just because just talent. It's I think there's plenty of talent in that class. They don't play D, D Eskridge, I mean. Trey, unfortunately, has taken a long time to come back from injury, and they don't play Stone, you know, for reasons that make sense. That's a three-person class that you're getting nothing from. That's huge. It's a whole draft class. And on top of that, your your fifth-round pick in that class went to Gabe Jackson, and then your first and your third were Jamal in that class. And then I think your sixth round pick was like Stefan Sullivan or something from the draft before. So that's that the whole 2021, they're just getting nothing out of. So yeah, while 2022 is great, the reason that things are still not good is because they're still trying to make up for drafting poorly in previous drafts. This one is from Glaze One. Are you a Geno believer yet? Oh boy, that's I I I still want to see it for the whole year, and I, I would like to see deliver. I would, I want to see some game-winning drives, like plural, because as, as much as I praising him for what he did today, like they did, they had the ball down whatever uh, seven with five minutes or whatever left. That's that's winning time. That is when you should go in. So like, I believe that he can deliver for sure. But I just want to see it more. And like like I said, he answered the question that the main one I had. Can he push the ball downfield without compromising ball security or efficiency? That is the main question I had. That's the one I have with most quarterbacks, to be honest. Uh, and he has answered that. As long as he keeps answering, yes, I'll be I'll be a believer. We we will see. The next step, though, to be like the elite elite dude is to then overcome some of the mistakes that your teammates make around you. Like, be so great that it don't matter if you got drops, penalties, whatever. You can just make it happen. Like, that third and eight, for example, that was a touchdown, not got negated. All right, it's third and 18 now. Pull something out your ass. 
You know, that's a lot to ask. That's almost unfair to ask. But if we're talking about the big money and being the future of a franchise, you pay the dudes where the answer is yes. <laughs> For the most part. That's why I would have never paid Kirk Cousins, really. Because he, he's not the answer to that. It's third and 18. They're running a screen to Dalvin getting off the field. <laughs> you know, that that that's I wouldn't pay that guy. It's third and 18. Josh Allen might pull something out of his butt. Same thing with Dak, Sean Watson, Patrick Mahomes, um, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. So, uh, I, I'm 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 at the I'm at the train station where the where the Geno hype train is about to take off. It ain't left yet. I'm right there. I got my bags and everything. I'm about to board. I'm a fee, I'm give me some time before I board. I'm right there. Though. I'm almost ready to just jump on the King Jean hype train. Good morning, Duca. Are you ready all aboard? <laughs> what, what accent was that? Is that British? I don't know. I I threw something in there. Want to sound like I'm professional in that way last one is from magnus t sunland is gino now a legit starter in the nfl okay that that i will say yes to like that's a starting quarterback now if we talk contract stuff we'll see that's a starter though that 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 that's a starter like i think in, in mike in mike sando's uh quarterback tiers where he goes and asks like 50 execs or whatever stuff all over the course of the offseason like flies around and talks to all of them it's pretty impressive I think they said what Gino was like 35th. He got voted like 35th out of 35 quarterbacks, like the basically the worst starter in the league, quote unquote, who was nothing more than a high end backup. And that was I was like, oh, man, that's rough. Um, he, nah, he's he's a starter and he's better than. He's better than this is not fluky stuff. He's better than quite a bit of starters. Like, again, we said Brissett, <laughs> he's better than Matt Ryan. He's better than Carson Wentz. He's better than Mariota. I would say he's better than Trevor Lawrence. I would say he's better than. I think yeah, I named quite a few. Yeah, there's some dudes starting. If you exclude guys on their rookie deals, or like that are in, let's say not on their rookie deal, but like first or second year dudes, like, excuse me, like he's. Gino's better than Mac Jones, you know, like. If Gino Gino playing at this level is better than a then it's just as uh, I wouldn't say better it's just as good as whatever you get from Matt Stafford because as great as Matt Stafford can be Matt throws it to the other team quite a bit I feel like people keep forgetting about that <laughs> it's a problem <laughs> like Richard Sherman was going on a rant about that during one of them primetime games he was getting flack for it from Dan Orlovsky at ESPN because they they boys I'm with Sherman bro Matt threw for a bunch of touchdowns last year and also led the league in interceptions <laughs> like that's that's a problem. That's that's too much high variance for me. Uh, just like Jameis, like like can Gino be as good as Derek Carr? Probably. That's probably about right. Derek's like solid. Solid Derek, quarterback. Yeah, Derek's Derek's solid. Look, Derek's solid. Stafford's solid. You know, those are solid guys to me. Like he could get to that level. Um, yeah, better than this version of Matt Ryan for sure. Um, yeah, bet uh, he could get to like Kirk Cousins. He'd probably. A little bit more of a, a better, like, uh, his ceiling is probably, if he keeps playing like this, higher than Kirk's. Uh, but, like, Kirk has a pretty low floor because he just doesn't, like, fuck up a lot. Um, like, he's pretty risk-averse in that way. But, yeah, like, he'd be better than Carson. Carson Wentz is not a starter. <laughs> I knew that in Philly. I don't know why the Colts and the Commanders tricked themselves. But, like, yeah, Geno's probably having, like, a 2019 Ryan Tannehill type of year. 
where Tannehill just lit everything on fire, but then did come back down to earth. So we'll see uh, if he starts for multiple seasons. But yeah, this is a starter for sure. I don't know where to rank him. Um, like he is he is he like high end Jimmy G? I don't know. He's got a better deep ball than Jimmy G does. So yeah, he's a starter though. Short answer is yeah, that, he, he's a starter. If we get to talking about contract and stuff, it gets a little tricky. But nah, Gino King Gene is a starter, man. That dude, the, the list of dudes playing better football to him at quarterback is very short. It is pretty much like Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. That's probably, yeah, yeah, that's that's a uh, Tua was playing just as good before he before he got concussed. Other than that, man, yeah, no. Geno Smith out here looking like. Like the, like the, that dude, he is a very 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 impressive man. He is. This I'll say the last thing before we sign off. I was not prepared at all. There's nothing in this world that could have prepared me for 2022 Geno Smith being significantly better than 2022 Russell Wilson. Like it's not even close. Geno is is playing far better football right now. I know Russ got the shoulder thing going. That's fine. Gino's playing worlds better. Like it's not even close. If anyone who says they predicted that is they're on acid. Like that is crazy. That that is that has had me flabbergasted. And in 2022, Gino was worlds better. Not just better. He's significantly better than what Russ is putting on the field right now through five games. That's crazy. It's crazy. But you know who believed it? Pete Carroll. Oh, I thought you were gonna say God did. Like, like uh, oh, but, hey, you know what? That would have been fire, but nah, no God did. Haven't listened to that album, but it is what it is. It's been another episode of Seahawks Man to Man, showing love to King Gene. Yeah. Man, he can only do so much. But you know what? They play a really bad defense in the Cardinals. So maybe someone has another career day. We'll find out next Sunday. Yeah. We'll come back to you guys. We got a new episode dropping. We'll do a little. Mike did a little story a cool story on film session so we thought why not do it for the pods so we're gonna have that special coming up this week where we'll dive in and talk some schematic things maybe ted has an answer for us on what the seahawks can do defensively but maybe not yeah we'll, we'll, see, you guys. we'll see on tuesday man yeah, we'll man. catch you guys later we out Time to your bag and I tell her all your lip, yeah, you